Hi, this is Erica Potter. And this is Hunter Willis. And this is Hot Girl Briefing. Hey, Erica. Hey, Hunter. What are we going to be talking about today on our Keep It BRI? We are talking about the Evergrande, which is a real estate company, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Hunter? Yes. So I guess we'll just jump right on into it. First episode of the new year. So excited to be here with y'all. We we needed a break. We really did. We needed a break right after the first. It was a little rough. I thought I was going to be flying back on Sunday. Was not flying back on Sunday. Everything's going up. Yeah, I got COVID. So, you know, we definitely were not set up for success over the holidays. Yes. You know, New Year's, New Year's is starting to take us out. And, you know, we want to, first of all, we just want to dedicate this episode to Betty White. We feel as though this episode must be dedicated. We've never dedicated an episode before, but this will be dedicated to Betty White. Absolutely. An icon. I cannot tell you the emotions I felt when I found out that Betty White had passed. I feel like she was like the nation's grandma. She was. And the fact that it happened literally right before the new year, like she couldn't have waited like one more day to make it to 2022. Like 2021, it, it took enough from us. It took enough. It took too much. 2021, we're happy to leave it behind. So welcome to 2022, everybody, where we will be kicking it off with a Keep It BRI. You know, the first, the most popular segment that we have, the Keep It BRIs, we know y'all eat this up. So of course, it just makes sense that this is the first episode. Yep. 2023 is going to be my year. You mean 2022? No. No, I already know. 2023 is going to be my year. You know, you know, let's, let's put that. We're excited about the future, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. We'll just have to, I guess, you know, wait and see. Well, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see how this year goes. Honestly, (laughs) honestly, that's what we should do when we release merch. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be wait and see y'all. That's going to (laughs) be, that's gotta be it. Yeah, absolutely. That and just like, I'm a hot girl who listens to hot girl briefing. Yes. Hot girls unite. Honestly. All right. Well, let's jump into it. Enough talk of the new year, whether it's going to be interesting or good. (laughs) Just how it's going to go. But yeah, so let's just jump right on into it. So this week we are talking about the Evergrande, not the Evergrande. We're talking about Evergrande, a giant Chinese conglomerate. Honestly, they range from doing a lot of different things. They So the Evergrande group, they produce electric cars, they do food and drink, they do wealth management, they even own one of China's biggest football teams. Like, this place does everything. This Wait, do a, you mean like football, like soccer or American I, football? I'm assuming, I'm assuming soccer. I'm assuming okay, because I was like, wait, I thought we were the only ones that did football, but then, football. okay. That yeah. was totally off topic. I was just, I like had like a brain like, thinking like, know, are, is this men tackling each other or is this men kicking the ball around the field? Well, if somebody had told me that like China does like American football, I'd be like, that is the last country I would ever think would do a Western sport. So you know, I was just like, I need clarity. Fair points. Yes. We're here for clear. <laughs> we're here for the clarifying questions. So we're <laughs> nothing clarifies like clarity. Sorry. They say that at work. <laughs> my views do not reflect that on my employer all right (laughs) so essentially this this conglomerate they do a lot in china and very recently they had ended up defaulting on some of their loans so 
it's sourced out that China, that Evergrande owes essentially a little over $300 billion. That is how many, that's how many liabilities Evergrande has. And what had happened is that it had been declared in default by Fitch, who is one of the world's biggest credit rating agencies. They rated it in default after it had failed to pay $1.2 billion worth of interest in international loans. And so the background of this is that it's a little crazy. So Evergrande essentially had been shut out for corporate loans from China because China has really wanted to start cracking down on corporate loans and they don't want these companies just taking out all of this money. They think that they could put this money elsewhere. And so China was like, hey, y'all are not going to be able to take out all these loans anymore. So what does Evergrande do? Evergrande goes and they're like, you know what, we're going to find out how to make money our own way. So essentially they crowdsource from some of their employees. This is all alleged from our sources. They crowdsource from their employees and they raise money that way. And then they also end up pre-selling apartment units before the apartment buildings are built. And so you're like, okay, you know, sounds pretty reasonable. You need funding to start the project. It would make sense that you would put a down payment on an apartment and then, or a house or something. And then you would end up getting it afterwards because you still need those costs in the beginning to fund part of that project. If you don't have those other sources of income such as corporate loans. So what Evergrande did was take these down payments and now they're in default. So now it's like, okay, but the apartments have never been built. So how are these people going to get their apartments? I mean, that sounds like super illegal, at least maybe by United States standards. Yeah. So China's really like not pleased about this because China on one hand, they're like, hey, you know, if we don't go and bail out Evergrande, there's going to be a lot of disruptions in the supply chains. There's going to be a lot of people that are impacted by this because you have to think about it. It's not just Evergrande employees that are being impacted by it. It's also the other companies within the same sector of development. You're going and having architecture firms, you're having suppliers, you're having construction companies that are all impacted by this. So you're having a bunch of different people that are impacted by this. Even if they're not technically an Evergrande employee, they're still going to be impacted by it if they're in the development sector, just because that's you know what happens when one of the top players falls is all of a sudden there's so much lost in revenue streams for the rest of these other companies that kind of rely on Evergrande. So- I mean, yeah, you take out one at the top and destroy thousands at the bottom. Like even- the people who, you know, all the local restaurants and ho- or hotels, maybe not hotels if it's an apartment complex, but like the local businesses are probably relying on the business of the future apartments to help them increase profits when the apartment buildings get built, if they ever yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, we saw this in Michigan. So if you're a Michigander, you know this, you know, me and Erica, we're both from Michigan. So obviously it hits near and dear to our hearts, but when the auto sector got bailed out, it was really noticeable when you're seeing these plants closed down and then all of a sudden you're seeing, yeah, these local restaurants, people aren't eating there anymore because there's not a bunch of workers going there anymore because the plant got closed down. You're not seeing people really live around there because guess what? All those jobs got eliminated. So they're going to move to where there is a job. And if there's none there, then they have to move away from it. So you're seeing these impacts really widespread. And so that's why on one hand, China's kind of like, hey, like we have to go and go into this. But then on the other hand, they can't really go into it and bail out this company just because 
they had said, we don't want to give a bunch of corporate loans. And then if you go and you bail out the first company or one of the first companies that ends up defaulting, then it doesn't really look good for you. And you're not really setting that example for other companies of, hey, you need to responsibly manage your money at this point. So yeah, it's like kind of rude. Like why was Evergrande <laughs> continuing to do this? If it's really rude. They knew... <laughs> I love that description. <laughs> <laughs> they just are like, you know, you can't pay it back. Like, do not tell me that there wasn't a point, like at least halfway through, if not like before that, where they were like, you know what? We probably shouldn't take out this much money. We are struggling to pay back the money we've taken out so far. So why would taking out more money help that? Like, yeah, they're not going to give you a credit card. If you have a history of not like, if you still have like a hundred K in debt, like you're not going to get a new credit card. So like, it just like more debt is not the answer to help your debt problem. Yeah. And so essentially they were just kicking the can down the road with it. And then, so I know y'all are sitting there saying, okay, Hunter and Erica, how does this have to do with the Belton road? Like what, what, how does it, why is this in a keep it BRI? Why is this not just to keep it brief? The reason that this has to do with the BRI is because a lot of the funding that can go to essentially alleviate Evergrande's debt is funding from state-owned enterprises and local governments, which are the two biggest sources of funding for Belt and Road Initiative projects. Boom, mind blown. So here you are, if you start bailing out Evergrande, you're putting all this money over there, then you're not gonna have as much money to go and keep on putting more money into BRI projects because that money doesn't exist anymore. It's gone other places. So that's why this is a BRI segment because this is a BRI issue. When you have such a large domestic monetary issue like this, it's going to impact your foreign policy. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. There's already been less investment for Belt and Road initiative projects over the last few years, just because they've been starting to come to completion. Some of them are really starting to get done, but there are still more and more countries that are starting to align with China and you know jump on board the BRI and want more infrastructure projects. So while yeah, funding has been decreasing, it doesn't mean that there's no funding going outside for the BRI projects anymore. There are still projects that are ongoing and being funded throughout modern history it's not like okay cool everything got funded back in 2013 2014 for the bri and it's all going to be done now and it's just the last little bits that need to get finished up no it's an ongoing foreign policy initiative and it's going to continuously need more and more money to go and implement that policy yeah well you know from everything you described with evergrande it kind of sounds like it's very it's giving very much like 2008 housing crisis, like whoever was giving the money to Evergrande was like doing some predatory lending. And I'm over here thinking like China doesn't want to give give out any corporate loans, but then they need the money. They need money to go to Evergrande and they need to also need, they also need money to go to BRI. Mm -hmm. Why don't they just print more money? Print more money? (laughs) (laughs) If there's an econ bro listening to this, we are so sorry. We are so sorry. <laughs> that is a complete joke. I understand why they do not just print more money. I just had to kind of like bring it out there. But like the look that Erica and I shared, <laughs> at, we knew exactly what <laughs> I looked at Erica. I knew exactly what she was going to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. It just like had to be said. It was it did, absolutely it 100% necessary. It really did. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm just very curious to see like, would China bail out? 
the Evergrande because, you know, I think the United States was kind of in a similar stance in that 2008 housing crisis. They didn't want to, because I mean, it wasn't just like one going up. It was like the entire sector kind of going belly up. And we are about to, I mean, we did face a severe recession. And so in order to avoid that, the United States kind of just like swallowed their pride and gave the government bailouts. So I'm thinking that China will have to do the same thing and then it will set a tone for other companies like, hey, yeah, I can take out 300 bill. And yeah, the government, China's actually got it covered. They're they're covering my tab. Yeah, it's like you're seeing housing prices go down and, you know, revenues for these giant developers go down. So Evergrande's not the only one that's in this position. Right now, it's the biggest default on their loans. So you know, it's the biggest one. That's why everybody's focusing on Evergrande, but it's not like the rest of the sector is really like super far behind. Everybody else is doing perfectly. Everyone else is just doing great. It's only Evergrande. It's not only Evergrande. It's, you know, the development sector at this point. So that's where China's really going to have to step in and say, are we going to take care of this domestic issue or do we want to put our focus on this foreign policy issue? Which is more important to China, which is more important to the CCP and which one is more important to Xi Jinping? At this point, we, you know, we don't really know it's going to be an evolving thing because here you have Evergrande still saying that they're still going to go forward and build more of these apartments that are owed to these people, but they haven't disclosed how they're getting the funding to do that. So it's like, you know, this is still an evolving situation. They just defaulted on their loans last month. So not everything has been really fleshed out yet of whether there's going to be restructuring of their debt, how exactly this is going to be mitigated, if it is going to be mitigated, how China as a central authority is going to respond, if it is going to be local governments that start, you know, kind of bailing out Evergrande so they can kind of save themselves in this situation. It's really going to be an interesting process to see. Yeah. And, you know, I remember hearing about it and even the United States is over here, like worrying, how is this going to affect the global economy if, you know, it doesn't get paid off or if Evergrande's basically taken out? So that's the thing, though, because so China, like the U.S., also has a problem with rising debt. So the Institute of International Finance said in 2019 that China's debt was over 300 percent of GDP. And then for reference in that same year in 2019, according to Statista, the U.S. was at a little over 100, right around 110% of GDP for debt to GDP. So China was, was triple in 2019 of what we're seeing of the U.S. So that's where, you know, it kind of gets interesting of where it's like, if China is having this own debt crisis with their own government, how exactly are they expecting their private firms to manage in a much better way, I guess? So that's where it's kind of interesting. And then putting it into the BRI aspect and seeing how exactly they're supposed to be funding the BRI when they might have to go and put X amount of billions into bailing out Evergrande. That's going to be something that's really interesting. Maybe China can pull what Evergrande did and crowdsource from their (laughs) own allies. I mean, I know Evergrande did it from their own employees, which we didn't even touch about how wrong and just flat out rude that is like, well, yeah, because then you have these workers that are protesting at the Evergrande headquarters in Guangzhou. And it's like, yeah, I'd be protesting too at that point. You know, I, I gave you my money and now, there, now there's no money. China could pull a page from them because apparently it kind of worked. I mean, they were able to take out more money and then they could just like reach out to every ally they have in the BRI. Because as you've stated before, there are quite a few countries with their hands in the pot. Mm-hmm. Reach out to them and be like, you want to stay part of this? 
Yeah, and was like funny. said, in, was it either, I think it was two episodes ago of who it gets invested into in the BRI. It's not just poor countries that are, you know, having BRI projects and investments. It's also rich countries. It's also middle-income countries. So we're not only seeing these poor-income countries that are the only receivers. There were actually more upper-income countries than there were lower-income countries that were involved with the BRI. So at that point, yeah, I mean, I guess that would actually be a fair point if you wanted to have more crowdsourcing for the BRI instead of having the Build Back Better World program like the G7 went and tried to implement and is still trying to implement. But I think that that'd be a really interesting take. I don't know. I don't know how well it pan out, but if you're listening, Xi Jinping, you know. Yes, I agree. It's kind of an interesting take. I haven't been thinking about this for weeks or anything. Just kind of just, feeling out know, the vibe of the episode. The, just doing on the sourcing that we have for tonight's episode. Yeah, I just like think it's interesting. I am a little outraged at the, I still can't get over the fact that they have 300 billion in debt. And because my credit score is not, they defaulted on a $1.2 billion loan payment. I mean, that's, and that was interest. That was a 1.2 billion in interest. That's that's what I'm saying. And like, and my credit, my credit score drops just because I get an inquiry to rent an apartment, which is like required to even rent an apartment, like not even taking out any credit and my credit score drops, which means I can't take out credit. And then this company is going to come over here and take out their hinder bill and, and then they might get bailed out. I would be protesting too. Credit scores are wild. Y'all we will, we will say that till we die from me, the Erica credit rating agency, I believe allegedly that Evergrande has a zero. Well, thank you so much for that hot take. But yeah, so really, when you think about it, Evergrande really is a BRI issue. It's not just a domestic issue. So that's why we really felt like we should be including this in our BRI segment. We felt as though it was important to talk about how domestic issues in China really play into the BRI at large and how domestic policy really ends up impacting foreign policy. If you have something that's going on in your own borders that you need to fix first, you know, that's probably going to come first over your foreign policy, no matter how important that is to you. I mean, Xi Jinping, the BRI is his crown jewel of foreign policy, loves it. It is so important to China's grand strategy at this point. And the fact that we're seeing that this may be impacted by the Evergrande situation, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out, unfolds over the next even year and see exactly how this is going to impact the BRI, because there is going to be an impact on the BRI. To what extent? We can't be too sure of that yet, but it's going to be really interesting to see how exactly this goes. Yeah, I mean, like you make a good point, because who would focus on the BRI if all of China is in an economic recession because maybe not all of China, but like a good chunk of China would be in or could be in an economic recession due to the actions allegedly taken by Evergrande. Mm. And everyone would obviously focus on that more than they would the BRI. So I can totally understand where Xi Jinping would want to address those domestic potential concerns or potential threats because no one is going to look at the good you're doing if something bad's happening on the side. Yeah, Erica, you bring up a good point. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. But like I said, that's why we really wanted to bring this to you guys within the BRI segment, just because it really is impacting BRI in the long run. And we wanted to just show that how important domestic politics are when you're crafting foreign policy. So with that, I think that that really wraps up this episode for the BRI segment. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to, you know, wait and see. Wait and see. <laughs>
cool with that. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in. We are so happy to kick off this new year with this episode. And we cannot wait to be back on our normal grind. Erica, we actually have a really exciting announcement. Do you want to do you want to let everybody in on a little secret that we have been kind of keeping for ourselves? Yes, we are so excited to have our next episode be with a special celebrity guest star. We have our and first celebrity- guest, everybody. We have our first guest. And by celebrity, I mean one of my and Hunter's favorite professors at All-time our college. Profs. Yep. Oakland University. Hunter, should we tell them who it is or should we just let them be surprised when they listen? You know what? I I think let's keep that a secret. Just know on Monday, we y'all will be getting a guest appearance. And let me tell you this guest, by far one of the best and most favorite props that I've ever had in my entire time of being educated by anybody. That also goes for teachers too. Out of, out of every single person that has ever taught me things in an educational capacity, this person is one of my favorite, if not, if not the favorite. Yeah, he's definitely like in my top three of professors. I had at um, Oakland University and actually one of my like slight dreams has always been to like source somebody to themselves. We can't wait for you guys to tune in on Monday. Tune in. It's going to be such a great episode. We are so excited about putting it together. We really think y'all are going to have a good time with it. We think it's a timely episode. It really is. Y'all are going to see on Monday. It's very timely. It is going to be a all around great episode. It's going to be a whole new dynamic. So we cannot wait for all of y'all to tune in. We are so excited about it. And you know, that's, that's how we're kicking off 2022 at Hot Girl Briefing. Hot Girl Briefing, we're stepping the game up. You know, we had a great first six months, but it's time to elevate. It's time to elevate. And I mean, I don't know how we'll ever find another guest as great as our first one, but we hope to continue having more guests throughout 2022. So if you are listening to this podcast and you do have a professional experience in the field, please feel free to reach out to us because we would love more guests on the show. We already have a few that we are thinking of asking, but if you are a professional in the field and you really feel passionate about something, feel free to write on in. We are, we would love to, I honestly think that that would be one of the best things. Have an audience member that is here as a professional and bring them on the show. Because we know that some of y'all are. We see you DC listeners out there. We know that you're tuning in. We know hot that girl you're briefing listener. Exactly. We would love a hot girl briefing audience member to come on and you know just school us on something that you're passionate about, something that you really know what the, your niche area on. But with that, tune in on Monday. Come here for our guest. We cannot wait to release this episode. It's gonna be so much fun. Yep. See you guys next week.